Worship team, thank you for those great songs this morning. And uh, that last one, uh, the, the scriptural truth that is in that song, how we come to be filled by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what he has said in Scripture. That's the promises that he's given, that he is the bread that will feed us. He is the water that will take away our thirst. He is the one who is complete in every way. And may that blessing of his abundance to fill you be alive in your hearts and minds today and always as you walk with Jesus as the Lord of your life. As I said in my children's sermon, today is the, is the first of a, the beginning of a series of sermons that I'm writing on the biblical uh, understanding of sacrifice. Um, what does that mean uh, in the context of Scripture to live sacrificially? And in particular, what does it mean with, to live sacrificially in the 21st century? And so we begin this morning by going to what is sometimes for uh, Christians a rather obscure portion of the scriptures. It's the epistle to the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. <clears throat> and it is such an important letter because its, its central theme woven throughout every page of the letter is the superiority of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The superiority of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is the central theme of Hebrews. And it was a letter of encouragement to Hebrew Christians who believed that Jesus was their Messiah and how they could live in him, how a relationship with him, how experience with him would strengthen and keep them daily. Differences between the covenants God made through Moses with Israel and uh, the better provisions of the new covenant in Christ are contrasted in this letter, and we'll be looking at that over the next couple of weeks. But the end of this letter is where we begin this morning. We're starting with the last chapter, because it's very interesting in that the last chapter is a bridge chapter. It is a chapter which connects uh, the context of the, of the letter and the truth of the letter with practical applications for the reader. <coughs> so we turn now to Hebrews 13, <coughs> verses 8 to 16. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There is enough in that one verse for us to study all day long. Think of what that means. He who, he who was on earth centuries ago is the same in purpose, in desire, in God's plan, today as he was then. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, 
For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for such sacrifices For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I told you that this concluding chapter was a bridge chapter back to the the main truth of the letter. And the bridge built by these concluding instructions was intended to connect. Listen carefully. It was intended to connect acts of worship with the details of daily living. The very thing we struggle with is what these final verses is about. How do I connect what we sang about in worship on Sunday morning, what I heard preached in worship, what we studied in our classes and groups, how do we connect that to where I spend my time throughout the week? What do I do to make Sunday morning relevant, powerful, not just a distant memory, but an active thought in my life every day of the week? So there are questions then which naturally just kind of bubble to the surface as we read this chapter. For example, how can Christians sustain vital faith when Sunday morning's routine is radically different from all other mornings? How can we sustain Christian vital faith when Sunday morning's routine is radically different from all other mornings? I don't know about you, but there's not another morning uh, in the week that is like this for me. Oh, I come down to the church nearly every day, but I don't come in here and try to do worship in an empty sanctuary. That would be quite, quite difficult. Though when I was a young pastor, a very young pastor, back in antiquity, I would go into my sanctuary as Pastor Richardson and Pastor Bish did, and we would preach to an empty sanctuary because we were learning to preach. We're we're learning to get comfortable with what we were doing, and we would imagine the sanctuary filled, and we knew just where to look for our people, just as I know where to look for you on Sunday mornings. 
Sunday is so different. How does it connect for you to the other days of the week? What are you doing with what you do here and what you do wherever there is during the week? Another question, very similar and yet different. What is your everyday Christianity? What is your everyday Christianity? Do the theological and ethical teachings of the Bible nurture and sustain you so that Jesus Christ is praised by your actions and words? George Guthrie is a Baptist theologian. He writes powerfully, and he writes powerfully with some very simple images. Listen to this. Beds and bankrolls cannot be separated from theology. Lunchrooms and lounges, kitchen tables and sidewalks, are where we must confess the name of Jesus. You see, today, there is an insidious separation of sacred and secular. <coughs> life in Christ and the life of the street move in entirely different directions. Listen again to verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, there are times when we complain about sameness. There are times when people complain and say, oh, there's nothing new around here. Can't say that this morning. We have new Nancy with us this morning. Everything's routine. Everything's predictable. There are Christians who think because they know about a man dying on a cross, they know everything there is to know about the faith. And here we have a verse before us this morning that says, Jesus Christ is the same. He hasn't changed. Yesterday, right now, and for forever, He's going to be exactly as he is. Well, Christ has always been with God, except when he walked on earth as a man. He was at the beginning of the church. He was at the beginning of the church and is its exalted Lord today. He is enthroned as King of Kings and will rule forever. Now, our perspective and circumstances change, but Jesus Christ and his gospel does not change. Therefore, we must be on guard. We must patrol our practices to be certain we are not permitting impure thoughts and unrighteous lifestyles to subtly overtake us to be sure that we're, we're checking on ourselves that we are not, not allowing the encroachment, which is so silent 
yet so pervasive of lifestyles that are unchristian, that we do not accept ways of thought and doing that do not honor and glorify Christ and the one that we confess here on Sunday mornings. Christians, you need to be careful and cautious and aware of what's happening to you and your family's Christian experience. Let me say that to you again. You need to be careful and cautious and aware of what is happening to you and your family's Christian experience. You see, people are attracted to the message of salvation. People are attracted to the message of salvation, but without full commitment to faith in Christ alone. Be sure that your lifestyle identifies with what you offered on the altar this morning. Be sure your lifestyle identifies with what you offered on the altar this morning. We called upon you for offerings and tithes. Why did you present them? Why did you give them? Did you give them because, well, we've got to give money to the church? Or did you give them because Jesus is your Lord? And by placing your offerings, tithes, and gifts in the offering plate, you are saying, I am tying my life I am staking my life on Jesus Christ and I want him proclaimed. I want him taught. I want him presented through the ministries and the outreach, through the mission of Christ's church here and around the world. I am identifying with the things of Jesus when I present my offering. I'm not paying a bill. I am saying thank you to God for my Savior for my Lord, and I am identifying fully with the, out of the resources that I possess with who he is as the leader of my life, the one from whom I take direction. My cues come from him. Now listen again to verses 10 through 13. We have an altar We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his blood, suffered outside the camp. The gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. So let us go to him outside the camp. Let us go to him outside the camp. You you know, don't you? Animals were killed. They were offered to atone for people's sins. 
They were, they were bled out, their blood collected. The remains of the animal was burned outside. The sacrifice of the animal was made outside, but the blood was brought in by the priest and placed on the altar. But the identification of the people was not real significant with that blood. This author is saying Jesus was rejected as Savior. He was taken outside of where the holy place was. He was taken outside Jerusalem, outside the camp, to a hill named Skull. His death was by execution on a cross. But the interesting thing about using that word execution is that when Jesus was executed, he was, by his action, executing the plan of God. And as the plan of God was executed, God was making possible for his children to receive his power to come alive and live forever. And so the word to the Hebrew people and the word delivered to us this morning by the Holy Spirit is to join Jesus outside the camp of the world. Join Jesus outside the camp of the world and do not be part of its systems and practices that will make you unstable and keep you from experiencing the fullness of God's grace. See, the conflict that we have, the difficulty that we have in, in bridging from Sunday morning to, to midweek at work or at home is that too often we, are, we separate ourselves from what happens here, from the sacrifice that was made for us in Christ, and we try to, to deal with those everyday issues separate from what we have Learn from Scripture. Now we go to the text verse and look what it says. Through him then, that is through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. It was very interesting to hear the children talk about giving up something that they really didn't want to give up, wasn't it? And that's always what lies behind sacrifice. From the earliest days of our lives, we have to learn to break the I me and mine syndrome. Children. Don't have to be taught to tightly hold objects in their little hands and when someone asks for it to say, mine, mine, mine. They have to be led. They have to be taught 
to release that grasp, to sacrifice their will so that what they have can be, can be shared. So in the context of Hebrews 13 and the text verse of the morning, the question then must be raised, are we giving up something we want to keep so that God can be glorified? Are we keeping something that we want rather than glorifying God with it? Now, some of you are thinking, here it comes, he's going to talk about money. No, he's not. <laughs> not today. Not today. I'm talking about those situations that you all get yourselves into. At, in the coffee room at work, the break room at work, the, the, the faculty room at, at the school where you work, the, the places that you run into friends, and, and, and you become aware that there's a, a conversation developing that is just not appropriate. It's going in a direction that you feel very uncomfortable. Maybe the language. The language is, is not good. You kids, you young people, you have this every day of your life in school. Well, we've got it as adults too. Don't think that because I'm your pastor, I don't hear somebody dropping the F-bomb every day. It's there. It's there. And the question before us this morning then is what, as Christian women and men, are we going to do about it? Do we step back and just allow our discomfort in that situation to rule us? Or do we bring forth a witness for our Lord? And you say, oh my goodness, sorry about that. I forget that thing's hanging there. But if I haven't kept you awake, that got you awake. So, <laughs> uh, When those situations arise, when we find ourselves in, in times like that, do we say, I've got to find some way to get out of here? And, and we feel the need to, to, to say something that's righteous, that's pure, but we're so uncomfortable. We even think sometimes about talking about Jesus. But that would really make us uncomfortable. You don't always have to talk about Jesus' name to talk about Jesus. Now, it's great if you will mention his name, that you belong to him. And for that reason, you have to disassociate from the conversation or from the group. But if you're unwilling or embarrassed or comfortable to do that, then at least, at least bring through you a witness to righteousness and purity, holiness and truth. Because if you do that and you act that way, the name of Jesus will be glorified. You see, that's what this 15th verse is about through him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. The whole of our days, whatever we do, 
Let it be our offering. However you work, however you, however you speak out about your anger and displeasure about something, is Jesus honored and glorified in the way you do that? When, when you talk about being distressed or, or upset, can you do it with holiness behind each word? When people hear you ex- express negative ideas, is there a holy tone behind the way you say it? See, that's what verse 15 is about. That's what verse 15 is about. Through him then, Jesus, let us, his body, offer up a sacrifice of praise. And I just feel like letting fly. I don't want this guy to think he's got anything over in me. I don't want her to get away with what she's getting away with. Well, that may be the proper thought that, that something needs to be done to correct a, a very inappropriate or, or dishonest situation. But the way you do it as God's woman or God's man is so important. Is your Lord's praise uppermost in your mind when you are away from here what are you going to encounter Thursday morning? You don't know yet. But do you know that whatever you encounter Thursday morning, you're going to encounter it to the glory of God? That's what the verse is about. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Now we go on. That is the fruit of lips. She doesn't sound like everybody else. He doesn't talk like everybody else. He's the only guy on the team that I've not heard cuss and swear. The fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So in your planning and your preparation and your strategizing, For whatever, this text lights up the scene and underscores that we should consider how what we prepare and what we do will approve, praise, and express love and respect for God. Let me say that to you again. In planning, preparation, and strategizing for whatever might be involved, whatever we are investing ourselves in, this text underscores that we should consider how what we prepare and strategize will approve, praise, and express God's word. So ask yourself, as I have had to ask myself many times as I've prepared this message and studied this scripture, and as I've told you many times, uh, you have to hear this for 25 or 30 minutes 
God drives it into me for five or six days. And so here's the divine inquiry. Here's the question. Is my life, is my life proclaiming God's glory? Are you asking yourself that question? Is my life proclaiming God's glory? Is the result and reward of what I do, is the result and reward of what I do glory and honor for my Savior and Lord? If you can say yes to that, then you get it. You understand the biblical concept of sacrifice. Every one of you knows the power of love's expressions and manifestations through you to those upon whom you lavish love. And you know, you know how the lavishing of your love on another and they on you welds you together. The power of loving Christ is what will keep us faithful to him. God has given us a beautiful example in genuine love as we lavish that on one another. We begin to glimpse, to appreciate more fully what our love for God can do to bless him and ourselves. The letter to the Hebrews is about the superiority of Jesus Christ. Well, the superiority of Christian living for me and you will bless and keep us when we may be tempted to copy other lifestyles. We're almost finished here, and I'm worried. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you young people. I'm concerned about you adults. Because as soon as you leave this sanctuary and go off these holy grounds, you will have the opportunity to forget everything I've taught you. You will have every opportunity to copy on righteousness and on godliness. To put yourself in a yoke with someone who is not walking with Jesus. 
and that will pull you away. Be very, very careful. Through him, through him, Jesus Christ, your Lord, with whom you have identified in song and prayer and proclamation and offering upon the altar this morning, through him, Jesus Christ, let us, Yorkshire Church, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Now, now, and forever, and forever, and forever. Let's pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, here in the quiet stillness, we hear the echo, the ringing truth of Hebrews 13. I pray that as that word has been presented in my proclamation, you have been glorified, your people blessed And now by this word kept before them, held in faithful devotion to you, in their actions, in their words, and in their decision to love you with all of their heart and soul that you may be glorified wherever they go. In your blessed name, we pray. And now just sit quietly and make your response to God about the word that you have heard proclaimed today, that the fruit of your lips, that the fruit of your lips may bring him glory, honor, and praise. So let it be.